Hey, welcome back to Brothers with Opinions, everybody. Uh, sorry, we've been missing for about three weeks. And this week, we got a very special guest, one of our good friends we grew up with and very proud of this brother, Clarence Smith. Welcome. What's up, fellas? Hey. What's up, Clarence? Welcome to the show. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah. Uh, this guy's doing big things, big things. And uh, teaching at Sharando, coaching softball. That's right. Right? right? Yep. And uh, he teaches, if I'm correct, black history the correct way and starting from 1912. Chris told me this. Oh, I'm not sure where that date came from. I, I, I'm going all the way hey, back. Hey, hey, hey. 1619. You know, I, oh, 1619. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Chris Chris told me this, okay? I'm just going by the info I got. So okay. don't kill the right. messenger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But we need to start off with the Chauvin trial case because he got – you know, another sentence which pissed, I guess, all of us off because he got another sentence instead of life. And I'll start off saying he got 22 and a half years, correct? Correct. And he's up for parole with good behavior in 15 years. That's crazy. So that pisses me off. I mean, he killed a man. Like, Point blank. You know he'll get parole too. Like if, if it's fifteen years, he'll do fifteen years, and then he'll be out. Yeah, facts. Just because he, a man in blue and a badge, and that's all I gotta say. Is that's what it is. So total BS. So Chris, what do you think? I'm sure you think basically the same thing. Same reason I don't care about the Constitution. Not that I don't care. I don't agree with the Constitution. July 4th, all that. That stuff was written so long ago, life has changed. And there's there's laws and rules that need to be changed, but they're not. The system is still going to continue to fail all of us as a people, especially the black man and the man of color. It's sad, but that's the harsh reality. Yes, sir. I can't agree more. Yeah, if y'all don't mind, I'll chime in. I'll yeah, go, go ahead. I was, I was going to say, yeah, Clarence, go ahead. Yeah, you know, there's no question that this man murdered George Floyd. There's no question. Um, I sometimes look at things a little differently, though, and with a different perspective. Uh, one of my best friends uh, passed away a couple of years ago, uh, and he was a deputy in Loudoun County. And mm -hmm. I watched that job uh, basically um, eat at him, you know, over the course of his career. Uh, and ultimately... Um, you know, I, I would argue it's the demise of them. I've got some other friends who are in law enforcement who um, also um, are in tough situations because of um, this recent movement of people bringing to light uh, um, cases of police brutality. And I'm here to tell you that 
when guys like this get off with a lesser sentence, it makes it tougher on the cops who try to do the right thing, you know, because now everyone's looking at them as though they have a pass to do whatever, a license to kill, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, now they become they become the villains in society. And it's tough because just like in any other profession, if no one is held accountable in those professions, then the entire profession starts to be looked down upon. And that's what's happening right now in the police force. If you gave me 100 cops, I would tell you that 99 of them are good guys, but it's that one. And the problem is that one often gets away with, in, in some cases, murder. You know, And now there's this seed of distrust uh, within the communities, particularly communities of color, when it comes to a police force. You know, And, and of course, there's a huge history in over-policing of uh, neighborhoods that are in, uh, of minority or, or of people of color. Uh, socioeconomically depressed neighborhoods. So we can get into all that history all the way tracing back to the slave patrols, you know, coming out of, you know, pre-Civil War. Um, My point behind this is uh, until everyone is held accountable and no one is above the rule of law, then it's going to make the job tougher on everyone who's trying to do the right thing. I mean, how many of you all would want to be a cop today? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Just to add on to what you said, like, and the accountability is based off the chief of police also, man, because they're always trying to cover things up and don't cover things up. It's right or wrong. Like if you murder someone, then you need to be held accountable just to add to what Clarence was saying. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, that goes to do the right thing. Like I agree with Clarence. I, I believe most like human beings are good people. You know, just like the cops. I, I agree with them because you do have your bad ones. And my question is, why didn't the ones there do anything yeah. when Chauvin was doing this? It's like they say, do the right thing. Because I saw a video, I can't remember, there was a cop doing the same thing. I think it was beating a black woman or something. And the guy pulled her off. It's like, do the right thing. Yeah. You know what to do if a cop is going overboard. That was so your partner, whoever's there, do the right thing. Yeah. What are you going to do, get fired? I mean, it's common sense. I mean, in that situation, it was common sense. You knew the man was basically, he couldn't breathe, point blank. There's nowhere that says a cop is here to protect and serve. If you look into where they signed the dotted line, it doesn't say anything about their to protect and serve, but that's what we all believe, right? Oh, they protect and service. They have a badge that makes people fearful and then a gun that they can use that other people can't, and they stick together, so... If there's only one bad out of every hundred cops, which obviously maybe there's three or four bad or vice versa, none of the ones that we think are good ever step up to the plate, at least so that we can see it when all these crimes are happening. Well, that's what happened with George Floyd. Somebody should have stepped up. There was, was four like cops four around. Four one, one, yeah, there was one cop them. standing up and three other cops behind him on his back and his legs. Well, yeah, what, no what I'm saying. Of multiple colors and races, but nobody did anything. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is, um, you know, we're fortunate that we live in a community that has a pretty good relationship with the police force, you know, and that doesn't mean by any means do I suggest that people haven't victim, been victimized in the court system and these kinds of things. But by and large, uh, we don't see these things that we watch play out on television here in our community. And I think that that really is a testament to how hard our police force work here. I see it firsthand with some friends and in the school system. We have school resource officers that I get to know. Um, most of these people who, especially in our area, were fortunate, um, who decide to take on that badge and, you know, wear those colors and that uniform, 
do it with good intentions. Now, I, I'm not, again, trying to yeah. defend everyone, you know, because clearly this man Chauvin looks like he did it because he was power hungry and he abused that power and he had a whole history of doing that, you know. So by no means am I, um, uh, you know, trying to acquit him, but that's an indictment on everyone else because most of us, when we look on the, on the news and we see this guy getting off with a slap on the wrist, we think, well, that must be the case with all cops. And it's not, you know, but until everyone in that field is held accountable, then we're going to see this continued vilification of the entire um, uh, uh, workforce, the entire police, that entire career field. Yeah. And I'm not the kind of person that's going to be like, all cops are guilty. I'm just, my, my main point has always been for all the good cops out there, where are they when these acts of crime are, are happening and blatantly happening? And it's not even questionable. And we're like, oh, oh, this cop, but at least he finally stepped up, whoever, he or she, and they stepped up and did something. I just don't really ever see that. Not that they never do it, but we don't ever see it. And, and it's, it's a shame. Like, where are they at? Well, yeah, I'm with you, Chris. It's always the neg negative things on the news. Well, why, why don't you share ratings. the pot? Well, yeah, exactly. Well, what we see on our news is not what people in other countries see. They see people actually getting killed. So the videos we see where that it's not really that that vulgar in other countries, they see a whole lot of different stuff than we see. Trust me. I, I've heard and seen people show me. They're like, look, I don't want that. that's not what they show us because it's all about keeping people living in a different way than we really know the truth. We were, we were brought up and told Ethiopia, Oh, you pick on people. You're from Ethiopia. You're skinny. You're from Ethiopia. And I've seen some beautiful and some, and some thick Ethiopian people, but that's just the way it is. We're, we're told whatever they want us to believe, and it's up to us to really do the research and find out the truths. But where are the good cops at when all these acts of crime are, are happening? What it, we need, we need a police department, though. Like, there's, there's real sick people out there. There's people that kidnap kids, predators, psychopaths. Like, we have to have a police force. No. Yes. Who, who are you going to call, like, if one of your kids comes up missing? They've got the resources to go out. Don't ever ask me that. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it boils down to me, too. It's, it's training. Uh, but the people that enforce the laws and have guns, guns and badges, they go to, to, what, six months of training? But how long do lawyers go to school for well, see, that, that's the other thing, too, is like not every police department has a uniform training policy. So in some police departments, you have an opportunity to learn how to de-escalate situations. So if you show up on the scene and things are about to pop off, you learn de-escalation skills to try to put that fire out. <laughs> not everyone offers that. So sometimes people come up on the scene and they're nervous, you know, and jittery. And then next thing you know, they're reacting. And usually, um, unfortunately, I shouldn't say usually, but unfortunately, too many times it's with lethal force. And those are the things that we see play out on television. So I think yeah. Zeb's right. Like, you know, you absolutely need a police force. Um, I'm, I'm an advocate. I, I'm both social justice and pro-police. And I think that there can be that uh, existence. And uh, one of the things that I think that could help is not asking these police officers to wear so many different hats. They show up on the scene, they're trying to respond to drug overdoses. They show up on the scene, it's a domestic dispute. They show up on the scene, it's a malicious wounding. They show up on the scene, it's, you know, um, so many different um, scenarios, and they're supposed to be able to process that on the spot and make the right decisions. When I think if they were just funneled and bottlenecked into just a couple, you know, of responsibilities, um, we, they would be much better served, and so would we. Uh, that's my long-winded way of saying that I think that they're overworked. I think that they're asked to do too much. And in human nature, I think that there are errors that are going to be made. And um, when those errors are made, though, ultimately, you got to be held accountable, you know?
That's a great point. That's why you're you teach history and you coach softball, but you don't also coach wrestling and swimming, and you also don't teach physics, and you, and you don't you're not a gym teacher. Also, there's a lot of stuff to put on your plate, and you're not trained right. for all of that stuff. It's the same right. thing. Now, I have one last question. There's a lot of countries that their police force does not carry guns. They don't carry like Canada. Guns. Correct. Right. And we talk about, uh, well, it's shit. I mean, I guess not, but well, because that's that to me, in a way, putting fear in the community because they carry guns. I think, I think Canada, yeah, I'm sorry, Canada, but I think it's it's some in Europe. Mm -hmm. They they just carry what tasers, yeah, stun guns. I yeah, think I think Canadian police do carry. By the way, I just I I don't mean to like just contradict everything you're saying, but I, I know that there are there's just a handful of countries that that don't do that. Um, mm -hmm. But you you know I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Tony. I'm oh, sorry. That, that's fine. Yeah, I, I think the issue though is like you have to understand that this country was born under the premise that everyone should be packing guns. It's oh, written in the yeah. Second Amendment, yeah. you know. So unless you're going to start trying oh, to address you know our history, that's predicated around firearms, then you, I don't know that you're ever going to be able to say, no, please, you can't carry guns because you're going to show up on the scene and people are going to be packing, you know? Yeah. Well, exactly. we do have rubber bullets that yeah, knock, yeah. Knock, knock your ass out too. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, I'm just throwing that out there too. We also yeah. have mass shootings here. Like how would yeah. you respond to that with a taser? Right. right. I guess we're not getting into all that because my, my <laughs> My biggest thing was my whole life, and, and we go back whatever we're talking about. But the worst, the worst thing, regardless of how yeah. people look at it, it's for protection. I, I worked. It would only not be for protection if nobody ever had one. You protect yourself from it all. Oh, where they have knives, okay, you're not going to shoot that at me off the rooftop. Like I'm fine. Yeah. What was the gun invented right. for? And kill. it all goes back to them in the Second Amendment, like Clarence said. Pack everybody's packing. You know what I'm saying. So yeah. there's a way to de-escalate a situation when they arrive, but they're fear for their lives because everyone is packing. So, I mean, mm -hmm. and that was, that's what leads to bad decisions. Like Claire said, they have so much on their plate. They're bound to make a few errors. A few or more, but, <laughs> but I mean, it's just so much, man, like responding to certain situations and you have to react within seconds. You know what I'm saying? So within seconds could lead to a bad decision. Now. Yeah. But you know, ultimately, again, my point is, you make that decision and, and you are supposed to be trained for that. And that's something that right. you took on as a responsibility. And if you make a mistake, you cost someone their life exactly. then you need to be held accountable, you know? And, and that's where Facts. I think that the breakdown is right now. And our distrust with police in general is that we do as a, by and large, as a country, there's a common mm -hmm. sentiment out there that says that police have a license to kill and they right. are unabridged. They get to do whatever they want. And that's, exactly. that's, that's tough on the people who are trying to do the right thing. It is. Now, last, well last question, sorry. Uh, do police officers take lie detector tests and psych tests and stuff? Because when I, well, certain government jobs, like if you work for the ATF and even like certain ones, if you go into a government job, you have to take that stuff. Yeah, federal. Federal, yeah, federal jobs. Like, yeah. But it's every, like no matter what job you do. So do police officers... 
So I can't I can't speak to a universal police force because we don't have like a federal police. That's the FBI, right? Like we don't have a federal entity that determines what the local municipalities are doing. Like Winchester Police makes their own decisions, just like Frederick mm-hmm. County Sheriff's Department does. You know, you follow right. me. So yeah. I do know that my my friends who um, one's a deputy in, in Frederick County, and then my my best friend who passed away in Loudoun County, they they took a lie detector test as part of their hiring process. So yeah. I don't know if you're talking about that or if you're talking about like taking lying detector tests when incidents occur. Um, I can't speak to that, but I do know well, that they're vetted before they become an officer. Yeah, that I'm talking about. Yeah, beforehand. Yes. You, you know what I mean? And like, a and again, I can't, Tony, I can't say crazy. that literally every police department does, but I just know that there are some at least. Oh, I'm, I'm sure there, yeah, well, a lot of them don't. Well, if that's a part of the process when hired, then when something like this occurs with George Floyd, then they should be subject to another lie detector test because it was yeah. part of the process for hiring. Yeah. So I, I don't understand that part of it. Yeah. Well, you know, again, just as uh, it seems to me that once you're in there and you're in a fraternal order of the police, they're going to try mm-hmm. to band together like you guys have been speaking to, and they're not going to try to allow one of their own to be subjected to this kind of prosecution. Right. So that's what, one of the toughest things with getting uh, a guilty verdict against a police officer is you are essentially working against um, a union of sorts, you know what I mean? And right, and right. we don't want to undermine a union, like as Zeb was talking about, that is so integral in our society. Like they are the last responders. They're the people that we uh, rely on when things are desperate and, you know, critical. And the last thing we want to do is just completely abolish that, you know? So you find the judicial system that works hand in hand with them, you know, protecting their own, as you guys said earlier, you know, and whether that's right or wrong or to what degree they should, you know, that's all left up to subjugation, but yeah. Right. Yep. Well, okay. I guess we'll move on. I think we've touched enough on that because we want to get into Clarence Smith here, black history teacher. And I and I, the first question I want to ask, and so how did you come up with this idea? Because obviously you started as, you've always been a history teacher, right? No, 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 I have not, no. Okay. Um, yeah, or to, to give you a quick background of what, yeah, uh, you know, what led me to here. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I know that you guys talk a lot about sports and Hanley sports, and I was mm-hmm. part of that, and I was a, a nominal player. You know, I, I was nothing special. <laughs> my best sport was baseball. <laughs> so, you know, in my mind, I'm coming through, and, and I got I got decent grades. I had like a 3-2 GPA, you know, like a, not anything to really, you know, boast about, but I was kind of a kid that kind of went through and did what I was supposed to. And at the end of the day, like I've heard you all talk about with your own experiences, I didn't really understand all the opportunities that were available to me. So all I knew was, hey, I, I want to play baseball. So I happened to have a, a couple of baseball coaches through Hanley that kind of took me under their wing and connected me with a junior college out in Western Maryland. And I only lasted a semester there. I was deep on the death chart. I'm like, man, forget this. You know, I'm not going to go play anyway. And I came back and, um, and then kind of sat around, worked, got a job at Grafton, worked there for about four years. and was like, man, I... I Something just calls me to school. Like, I need to go get my degree. Like, there's no one in my family that had one at this point. So mm-hmm. I went to Shepherd and um, uh, put myself through school while I was working at Grafton. And uh, the amazing thing is, the taught us back to sports, is I remember going up there, and they had three guys from my travel team uh, playing on that Shepherd baseball team. And I'm like, man, if I only knew that Shepherd was even existing, you know, like maybe I could have gone and tried that. But yeah. anyway, <laughs> I, I, I digress. So I worked at Grafton for a while, and then um, – I got my degree and uh, I applied to Winchester Public Schools and to Frederick County 
And I didn't get a call back for Winchester Public Schools. Frederick County called me back. I went through a series of interviews, got hired as a special ed teacher, taught geometry for seven years and switched over to history then switched out of special education into general election, uh, general education four years ago. So I teach U.S. history, uh, world history one and U.S. government. Oh, OK. Congrats, brother. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good for you, Appreciate man. Good yeah, it's, a, you. it's a pretty sweet gig. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, like, let's get into um, what you do teach, you know, the black history. And um, what I want to know, because I jotted down a few questions. Okay. Is, um, so how, my thing is, is did you bring this to the staff at Chirando? Because obviously they don't teach it. Okay, so, so. I think that you might be um, uh, conflating and thinking that Frederick County follows the same thing that Winchester Public does. Winchester Public actually has a class called Black History. Mm. And um, I've asked about trying to do that same thing in Frederick County, and I've asked for two years now, and that's been rebuffed. So, um, and that's fine, because it's, in, in my mind, if you teach American history, you cannot teach it correctly without also incorporating Black history. Black people right. were there from the very beginning. I mean, right. well, you know, Jamestown, 1607, the first black people will show up in 1619. So for all intents and purposes, there from the very beginning and integral in everything. Um, black people have served in every war in American history. You know, no one talks about that. And most of the time in segregated units thinking that they're going to get freedom afterwards and still denied that freedom even after they help America win their wars. You know, yeah. so there's this long history where America, uh, black people in America have literally built it. You know, the White House was built by uh, enslaved people literally right. built the infrastructure of America. And um, that part is not always talked about in our formal education, you know, at our age. But um, the nice thing is now we're not uh, relying on textbooks that are written by, you guys were talking about Jubal early before and his lost cause propaganda. We're not, we're not mm -hmm. teaching by his textbooks anymore. You know, like there's right. the information age. We have all the information known to human history at our fingertips. So when I bring up these kind of cons, like these, these topics, I, I tell them, don't trust me, you know, Pull out, pull out your phone from your pocket and look it up. You know, let's yeah. talk about Bacon's Rebellion. You know, let's talk about how Bacon's Rebellion set up the class system that really was the basis of racism in the country. And, you know, people mm -hmm. are kind of surprised by those concepts. But, again, the information is there at your fingertips. You just need to have a little direction into where you're, you're going to look. Thank Facts. you. Facts. Yeah. So, and, 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 and what you just said, a lot of people don't have that information or that knowledge of what you just said. So that's, that, that's a big problem and issue already. Yeah. It's a big problem. Mm -hmm. it says misinformation. Right. You because like misled. You're, you're misled. Cause so I, yeah, let, let's talk about the Jubal early thing. Cause you guys brought that up before. So I, yeah. I was on this little bit of a campaign a couple of years ago when I started kind of coming into my own awakening and, and recognizing um, like you guys talked about it. You had this epiphany where you're like, wait a second, who the hell is Jubal early? Like, where does mm -hmm. this name come from? You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> right. And you start, you start digging, you know, like you get an inquisitive mind and you want to know answers and you start down a rabbit hole. And then the next thing you know, you find out that this guy was like a Confederate general who after mm -hmm. the war, he, he, he basically left America. He was a, a fugitive on the run basically and went to like mm -hmm. Mexico and like Canada and started writing this propaganda that says, well, it, the war was never really about slavery. It was about this northern aggression. They were coming in and telling us how to live our lives and completely changing the narrative of what the war was actually about. And that became the basis for textbooks throughout the South. 
you understand like the, there was no public school in Virginia until 1870. So after the civil war. So if you wanted to be educated in the state of Virginia before the civil war, your parents had to be individually wealthy and hire tutors, right. Mm -hmm. Who would come to your yeah. house. It wasn't until right. after the civil war where they started building schoolhouses and used taxpayer dollars to try to fund education for everyone. And of course, the powers that be here in the South, the media were like, well, we're not going to educate these black kids in the same classroom as these white kids. So we're going to write in laws to segregate, you know, and okay, that's done now. Where's the information coming from? Whose story is this going to be? There's this great Zimbabwean um, um, uh, adage that says, um, until the story of the lion is told, we are, ever, we are only ever going to hear the story of the hunter, and it's going to always glorify that hunter. So our story has always been told and, and as you guys like to talk about, it's been manipulated. It's been a bunch of misinformation. We're only told the side of the Confederacy growing up here in Virginia. And then once you start to realize that, man, like, let's talk about the enslaved people who were here and what that was like, because not all of Virginia was in rebellion. You had places in Virginia, like in Norfolk and uh, Williamsburg, that was right. occupied by the Union. And when the Emancipation Proclamation happened, it only freed the people that were in the rebellious starts, uh, places. So yep. literally across the street, you have some black people who were enslaved and some black people who were freed. And you start to, you know, make that like humanized. And you start realizing that, well, for me, I don't, I try not to use the term slave. I try to use the term enslaved people because, or enslaved person, because when you say slave, that dehumanizes, right? So right. you start yeah, to like yeah. give them humanity and understand that these people, you know, who had dedicated blood, sweat and tears to this country, whose ancestors are buried under the soil that they're toiling in. Mm -hmm. They're, they're part of that story too, right? But right. for so many Facts. years, all the way up through the 50s and 60s, and arguably all the way up into the 90s, um, we were only told the story of these great white generals, the Robert E. Lees and the Jubal Earlies and the James Braddock, you know, all these different guys. And, and it's a glorification of the hunter, and we never heard the story of the lie, you know? And that's what I try to do in my classroom anyway. Big I wanted to chime in real quick. Big I wanted to chime in on how you said about the hunter, but not the lion. Because if I think about the hunter, I think somebody who has had the formal weapon to defeat the lion. Correct. Because there, there's no man I know that can beat a lion without weapons. Correct. Fact, you know, and if fact. you want to go into that, yeah. that, that parable, like that adage a little bit farther, you're like, well, tell me more about the lion. I mean, when was he hunted? Mm -hmm. Was he like, is he a father? I mean, like, was he in the den with his cubs and his wife? You know, like, you know, right. of course, we're making that allegory like that. You know, we're they're making the analogy to a human being. Tell me the story of who the victim was. I want to know about that. And then I can determine whether or not the hunter was the hero or if he was a villain. Yeah. Were they already attacking hunters before they became hunters and they were never called hunters just yet? Yeah, yeah. Yep. But you still yep. had to form a weapon, and that to me is and the same thing I wanted to chime in real quick when you said that in 1870s when they first started making schoolhouses? Yes. And Virginia, yeah. to me, they was like, oh, well, we're not going to teach black, black students in the same school as white students. Right. Well, the, I bet whose food were they eating? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to, right. like, who was feeding their bellies? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like I was saying earlier, uh, the story of the African-American in this country is that they were integral in building this country into what it is. Uh, most of the labor, this, this country, understand, this country became a superpower because it got extremely wealthy off of cotton, right? Nope. That was nope. the king. And it free labor wealthy. because the white man didn't work. Exactly. And, and, and don't, we still don't get it twisted either. Like, understand <laughs> that, that, that people were getting rich off of this institution of slavery without ever having to even own a slave. People were getting rich on telling people how to raise slaves, how to break them, 
like literally how to marry them off, how to make them, you know, be subservient. You had people that were um, bringing together the, the, the debt that they owed in their slavery and creating a money market. And people from London, like John Locke, who we talk about this enlightenment, you know, thinker was investing in the institution of slavery while England itself had said no more slaves. So you had all these people with their hands in the pot. And then it's no mm -hmm. wonder why it took a war, a four-year bloody war, in order for this institution to be broken here in America. Because between the money and all the investments, there was no way that people were going to willingly give that stuff up. Exactly. Because money's the yeah. root of all evil. Yeah. 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 And most, or, most, of, the power, people, most you know? of the people they placed on money, they're uh, presidents. Well, you know, yeah. that's another thing. Slave, slave owners, too. Slave owners at that. Mm -hmm. That's another thing, like you, like I talk about that in my classroom as well. Twelve of the first 18 presidents owned people, you know, and, and I, I don't mean to dominate this conversation, but I love it. But you're, you're the one that I like to talk about, the one that I like to talk about is Thomas Jefferson. He's a Virginian, right? And that's and Wayne's, that's Wayne's cousin. Fun fact. That's Wayne Rush and Carl Rush's cousin. <laughs> oh, is that right? You guys can trace your lineage. Wayne, Wayne, tell them the truth. Well, Carl knows. Uh, according to the root no, history, for real? Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh damn! <clears throat> One of my ancestors, he uh, got impregnated, basically. Yeah, Wayne. You know, I think you told. Holy shit! Yeah. I think I remember yeah, that. You it, told it happened, that. it happened in like Charlottesville area, like Montana. Yeah. So, yep, yep, yep. So, if you talk to people about this, because not a lot of people talk about this, you find like I've met a lot of people who are descendants of George Washington, who mm -hmm. are descendants of mm -hmm. Thomas Jefferson. And it's because, like, you, I'll talk about Thomas Jefferson for a minute, and then I promise not to dominate the conversation as much anymore. But <laughs> Thomas, <laughs> Thomas no, that's Jefferson. Why, that's why we had you on, brother. Go ahead. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Thomas Jefferson had over 600 enslaved people in his lifetime, right? right. Now, let's, let's, let's get a little bit of a, a perspective here. This is the man who wrote the Declaration of Independence. He's the mm -hmm. man who's like, you know, all men are created equal with certain unalienable rights, and among them, the right to life, liberty, you know, he's writing these beautiful, hallowed words, right, that we hold as, like, you know, the idealist, you know, American. This is what we all strive for. Now, right. meanwhile, like, he's writing that. He's in Philadelphia when he's doing that, right? He travels from, right. Montreal, from Charlottesville off to Philadelphia at the Continental right. Congress, and he's writing this Declaration of Independence to tell the king how he sucks. And, you know, and even, actually, he even writes in there and says, king, you're the one that's at fault for all these issues that we're having right now with slavery. And all mm -hmm. the other founding fathers were like, no, 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 no. We're going to take that part out. So you can't find, but you can Google it. You can find that, that excerpt, but it's just not in the copies of the Declaration of Independence. But I digress a little bit. So it's he goes there, and at this time, what was, what was really common at this time is wealthy slave owners would have what they called body servants. So this was mm -hmm. someone who went with them everywhere they went. They would draw their bath water. They'd make them sandwiches. They'd shave them. They'd give them haircuts. Whatever they needed, they had someone that was personally there. And, of course, they were people of color. They were enslaved people. Now, here's the right. craziest part about this. Thomas Jefferson married into a family uh, that was wealthy. Mm -hmm. His wife died at a relatively young age. His wife, his father-in-law, had illegitimate kids with one of his enslaved women, okay? And among them ended up being, um, oh my goodness, her name is escaping me right now. I'll, it'll come to me in a second. Um, it ended up being ultimately Thomas Jefferson's sister-in-law. Now, of course, not legal by marriage because you couldn't, you know, like she was half black, right? right. So after she, um, Sally Hemings is her name, Sally Hemings. Um, after Thomas Jefferson's wife passes away, he then starts dating Sally Hemings. That's Thomas Jefferson's wife's mixed illegitimate sister, right? And at the time, Sally Hemings was only like 14 years old and Thomas Jefferson's like 38. So it was like, wow. he, he's taking her everywhere, right? And, and people were whispering about it. It was scandalous. 
but he didn't care. Yeah. You had people writing like, oh, Thomas Jefferson's talking about freedom, and meanwhile, this is what he's doing. He's gallivanting around. Well, his personal body servant happened to be Sally Hemings' brother. So essentially his own brother-in-law, right? I don't mm-hmm. know if it's hard to, if, if y'all are following me, but no, it's we're his family. Him. Yeah, it's his family. Weird. He's got a personal body servant who is a mixed man who is his family. They, had, they share the same bloodlines, the same lines, right? He has right. him with him in Philadelphia, and he's writing these, you know, uh, all men are created. And he knows that those words that he's writing that become the Declaration of Independence won't even ever apply to even his own family. Exactly. Now, when you think about that for a second, then you talk about the hypocrisy, like starting mm-hmm. right from the, the beginning of this government. And you're like, look, now that's all that's all that being said. I am a proud American because I am able to be talking about these things and right. I strive to make things better in the future. But right. we can't make things better in the future if we're not willing to confront and admit the sins of the past. Facts. Yeah. And, and, and I speak the same way as you do. I'm a proud American, but things need to be told. Yeah. Yeah. And Zeb, you got anything? You've been quiet for a well, minute, and I, you're I, highly intelligent. I, I got a question. <laughs> I got a question for Clarence. Is it true that, like, George Wash? I think George Washington, like, he, he was bringing it to Congress, like, to outlaw slavery. Like, like, they would bring it up, but they would just put it on the back burner. Yeah, Come yeah, on. yeah. There are stories about, especially when the revolution's about to get kicked off, and what happens early on is the British had already been talking about banning slavery, right? And when they get here and they're going to try to put down this rebellion, because that's essentially what was going on. They come here, they're going to squash this rebellion. They're looking for guys like John Hancock and Samuel Adams and George. They're looking for these guys, right? They're, they're, they're outlaws. So George Washington is starting to, you know, he's being the leader of the, con- uh, the country. The Congress has appointed him as the, 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 the general, you know, and so on. And um, the British show up and they say, hey, listen, all you enslaved black people, if you leave your plantations and come to fight for us, you can fight for your freedom and you will become British citizens afterwards. And George Washington's like, holy shit, what? Whoa, whoa, we got to do something about this. So he actually goes and lobbies like Zeb's talking about and says, hey, we need to offer that same thing to black people because otherwise they're going to leave us. Mm -hmm. So they did. They did. And what ends up happening is they had this weird uh, period where you had, and I'm not going to try to remember the numbers. I'm just going to throw them out there. Don't hold me to these exact numbers, but let's say it's 8,000 people that defected and went to the British. You had another like 10,000 that said, no, I believe in George Washington. We're going to get our freedom afterwards. And then you had like another 20,000 that were like deuces. I'm out. And they left to like Florida. They left to Canada. They were like, I'm not mixing. This is my opportunity to get away. Right. So of course we all know, we all know the story. America pulls this tremendous upset, wins its freedom, but we also know the story is that slavery did not end right there, and all those people who fought nope. for the American side ultimately found themselves right back in shackles on those plantations. So yeah, Zeb, yeah, that, exactly. that's a true story. Zeb, yeah. wow. great. Yeah, I did not know that. I didn't know the that's, reason. I, I didn't know about nice, all that. Nice, though. I mean, well said, though, with the shackles thing, man, because they've been like a prisoner all their lives, man. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about that, like orders all of their lives, man, and they just did it. And that's what leads up to you saying that America was built by black history. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you you look at Frederick Douglass, you know, at the outset of the Civil War, and he's constantly going to uh, Abe Lincoln. I like you all's little uh, anecdote on Abe Lincoln and the, the brown penny, by the way. I listened to that uh, earlier today. Yeah, but, I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you got Frederick Douglass saying, listen, you are paying soldiers to go fight this war. Okay, Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, you cannot get anyone who will fight harder for the side of America 
against these rebels in the South, these Confederates. I don't call them the Union, by the way. They're Americans. They were not the Union. That sounds like they were not. A, a, it was America versus a rebel force in the South. And yeah. Frederick Douglass is like, look, Abe, you cannot find anyone. You cannot pay enough for people to fight with the same zest and zeal and passion as these enslaved people. Give them the opportunity to fight for freedom, and they will fight unlike any soldier you've ever seen before. You know, and, and once again, yeah, 54th Massachusetts. Yeah, you're exactly right. And you had these black people who were like, here yes, we go sir. again. We had the War of 1812. We had the we uh, various uh, Indian Wars, as we call them. We had the Revolutionary War. Always promised our freedom. Do we do this or do we take this opportunity to run away? And like Chris just brought up the famous 54th, they were like, let's go fight. And these people fought with such valor. And oftentimes fought much longer than the white soldiers who were inscripted, like who who got paid to do it, and ultimately won their freedom, right? But of course, we know right. as soon as the Civil War ended, then all these black codes were written into place, and we get Jim Crow and, and all of that shit. So even though you helped win another war, you still haven't been given that total freedom. And as you all said in another one of your podcasts, I don't know that, you know, you've made a valid point. Maybe we're not free quite yet uh, in the end uh, anyway. No. I think we, we as people, and of course, I can't speak for the black man, but I can speak for a lot of reasons that I know because I've been raised differently and been in a lot of situations, but a lot of it is all mental. And, and as people, we, I, I guess, financially and status-wise, as poor people, because even white people with no money, you've been brainwashed and conditioned to think and believe a certain way. So you just accept what we're given rather than trying to learn that there's way more out there for the taking. But... We don't yeah. understand that. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. you know, I, I'll say this, and, and then I'll back off of it. Here's, here's, here's what it comes down to. Like, there's a buzzword going around right now called the critical race theory. I don't know if you guys have been seeing this play out. It's been here locally in Loudoun County as um, this, this concept of trying to bring attention to the contributions of African Americans to American history. And Loudoun County in particular is like, it's a hornet's nest right now. There are people who are just losing their minds. Ultimately, what you have to realize is if you are truly trying to be equitable and inclusive with your education system here, you have to make every student who sits in your classroom feel like they belong here. And when you look at the history of this country, this country was not intended for black people. It was not intended for Hispanic people. It was not intended even for poor white people. This country was established and uh, built for wealthy white males, right? So over the course of this history, it's like you've got to enfranchise people. You've got to make them feel like they're part of this and that they have an equal say in this in this government, in this society, or otherwise go the way of the Romans and it's going to collapse. And I don't want to get into this, but what you just said is to make people feel that they have the equal part and the right. equal say. I believe, and I don't want us to get all into it now because we'll get off topic, but that's the reason that voting exists. I don't believe that voting really truly matters in a big scheme, not saying in your local communities. I don't believe the presidency. We don't vote for Trump and Obama and Clinton, but that's just me. But I think they make us feel like we do. Well, no, you're you're right. The Electoral College, you're you're exactly right. You just need to say that. Electoral College, you're exactly right. Well, well, about electoral is all that matters, bro. Well, the reasoning, I looked into it. My dad told me that the reason there's an Electoral College is... Basically, the government feels the American people are stupid. Yes. There, we're, yeah. Clarence, do you, is that why? Yeah, it's Alexander. Why it's, 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 we're not it's Alexander Hamilton's. Enough. Yeah, it's Alexander Hamilton's brainchild. And basically, he's like, mm-hmm. look, 
the politics should be left up to the politicians. That potato farmer out there in Western Massachusetts don't know shit about politics. Why should he get to vote? He's going to come in yeah. here and he's going to vote for some crazy ass like a dog or something. So we need to have some <laughs> fail proof yeah. and you know this check in place, and that's the electoral college. So yeah. you know, even when we vote in, in Virginia and you get your thirteen electors, those guys aren't even bound. You know, to vote for what the population said, they they're called faithless electors. They could t- decide at the last minute. No, I'm not giving my vote to Joe Biden. I'm giving it to Donald Trump. And there's yeah, no law right. preventing them from being able to do that. So yeah, your dad, your dad's right. Yeah, wow. I mean, and, and that explains why Trump lashes out the way he does when he loses the race. You know, no, because yeah. he knows how it is. But yep. I mean, it's it's too, and it's, a lot it's, of it's a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, but the man lost the man lost a popular vote by over seven million, but knows that there is backdoor channels that potentially could have. Uh, delivered that that uh, that outcome to him despite losing by seven million, and and it's because right. of things right. like the electoral college that Chris Stocker was talking about. Yeah, yeah, yep. that's why I don't try. I hate negativity, but I love being real. And I try to tell so many of my friends, like I don't care about so much stuff because I understand how it works. But I I'm not saying don't go vote. You should vote for your local community stuff. But and when it comes to certain things, trust me, man. If we think we all have so-called bosses and people that make decisions in our companies and schools, you right. can guarantee there's people that make decisions that even Obama, Trump, and Clinton ain't going to make. Well, I'm, I, I got to, as a history teacher and as a American, I got to disavow from that. I want you to go vote. You got to go vote. You got to have yeah. your voice heard, man. Even though that there are things to. in place that try to, you know, you know, like like Tony was saying, they think that we're dumbasses. You gotta, we gotta show that we're um, an educated populace, man, and you gotta right. be involved because the moment that you relinquish that voice, you may mm-hmm. never get it back. Yeah, I, right. that's I, true. I agree. Right. Still, still vote, but a lot of times that's why people don't vote because they feel they yeah, don't have a voice. Right. Yeah. I'm just a firm believer. I wish that all four, five of us, and everybody else that kind of thinks the same way as us, we could go make a difference where we need to change the system and not just for like policing and everything else, the whole system. We can't think that we live off a constitution from the 1700s and it still exists for what we live in today. Even I can't fathom exactly in 2021 how these kids are extremely smarter than we were at their age because they, like you said, they have information at their fingertips. Life has changed a lot. There's no way we can live off of those premises, what they wrote in those days. Thomas Jefferson and that 14-year-old girl and all, what they wrote back then, that that life does not exist anymore. And if we're going to still live off of those premises, man, we're never going to make it. I, I would like to say, though, like if you look at the ideals, how they're written, the I, like the ideals, what we're trying to ascribe to, they are beautiful. Like, they, But the question and the problem is they've been denied systematically to so many Americans yep. for so long. So right. if, if we're going to keep that constitution, then make sure that it's available and accessible and applicable to everyone, not just a wealthy white male, you know. Clarence, can I ask right. you something? Right. Do you use the word, the terminology African-American? Uh, I yeah, sometimes yeah. African American. Do you black, use yeah. Do you use Euro or European American when you speak about any of our white friends? No, no. Zeb, and, Zeb and Tony included. No, no. I, I have a reason for saying. that. It throws it throws me off, and you know what else throws me off? I had to tell Wayne and them before. Why are we as a people, including Black and Hispanics in this country, we're Americans, but Canadians and Mexicans aren't Americans. And, of course, the Central and South Americans, they're not Americans. They're from wherever they're from. But we're <laughs> Americans. From these 50 yeah. United States, we're the only Americans. 
Yeah, no doubt. But, you know, the reason that I'm using those terms right now is because we are talking about history and how it's applied to different demographics in our history. So something else, and one of the reasons why I do use the terminology black people or African-American people um, compared to just white is because the people who came here and established this country decided to leave their heritage. They decided to leave their um, their identities back in Europe and came here to become They wanted Americans. to break free. Right, and become Americans. They were no longer saw themselves as English. Especially and no the taxes. Wars. There was going to be no right. taxation. Right, but the difference is, and this is why like, it's, it's important to point out, African-American people, black people here in America, are the only people here in America who didn't get to choose their own identity and keep it. They were brought here against their will, and they were denied their entire history. Their language changed. Um, you know, I, I would I would ask you. I did this myself with a, uh, one of those um, ancestry.com things. You you know, plenty of people who are like, I'm a proud Italian American. I'm a proud Irishman. Uh, you know, whatever. Black people are hard pressed to spot exactly where they come from in Africa. Africa is the largest continent uh, next to Asia. But most countries, uh, more than more countries than any other continent, and. People, black people, by and large, don't know exactly where we came from. That identity was stripped from black people during that slave trade. So, exactly. you know, it's, it's important to talk about, you know, African-Americans because they, it's a very different heritage here in America than what everyone else has who chose to come here. Okay, Claire. Yeah, and, and with uh, that being said, let me just add on to, like, the presidents. I mean, you can look at a lot of their last names, man. A lot of their last names, a lot of black people carry those last names. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Washingtons and Grants, and you, you know we can go Johnson. on and on. Yeah, Johnson, yeah. man. Like, and, and a lot of black people have those last yeah. names. Well, yeah. Well, well. Okay, I have a question. I totally agree that yeah, they, you know, black people were taken, of course, stolen. They were also okay. given by but, other black people at certain times too. Absolutely, yeah, Chris. But, absolutely. Yes. But now, all right. How do how do I don't want to offend anybody but no man just you know but you know now like you said black people built this country fought for this country and i believe they wanted respect and you know because now 1600 1700s they're like i'm a part of this country now right i want respect call me an american You, you see what i'm getting at like black people now have fought for the right you know, civil rights, all that stuff, and they, they want to be accepted. Right. It's like, right. stop treating me like shit. I'm a part of this country now. Like Chris said, we're Americans. Everybody's yeah. Americans now. So, yeah, I mean, I, you, do you agree with that? Like, to me, yeah. some, some black, well, a lot of black people, in my they get offended when they, you call them you know, African-American. I mean, am I right or wrong? Like, right. No, no, no. Some I mean, like do. Chris said, like, why are we all not Americans? Except we are. I mean, in my eyes... And I yeah. think that's a lot of the problem with this country. It, why we have racism? I mean, other countries. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in I think other countries they individual. didn't used to call people black and white. Am I correct, Clarence? No. They oh, well, didn't they used different... to say they're black and white until well, Negro uh, comes from, America yeah. was kind of started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, well, you have to also understand that America became quickly became the most diversified country in the world. You know, by the yeah. middle of the 18th century, so. You know, when you when you're you know in Ireland, there aren't many other people that aren't Irish there, so you didn't have to necessarily necessarily have a, a designation. But also understand, and this is a very good point, Chris, that you brought up, that it was vital for this early structure that was established here in America to denote the difference between African Americans and 
Indians and because they built this caste system that you could not change out of. And the black people and the Native Americans were at the bottom of that. And then you had uh, indentured servants and they had to make sure that they found ways to say, you're not one of us. You know, like there's a, a, a one eighth uh, rule, eight, eight drop rule. It says if they could prove that one eighth of your ancestor was black, that makes you black. That's a Plessy Ferguson. That was a law that was written into place. And then if you were determined to be one eighth black, you now are subjugated to all of the black codes and, mm-hmm. and Jim Crow laws in the South. So those terms yeah. that we now use, like you guys are bringing up, and it's a very good point, were actually deeply entrenched in our society as it was being constructed all the way up to this point. And they were African Americans, black people were never seen as Americans. I, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Black yeah, people yeah. I, Americans. I, it's facts. I totally understand that, but you know, you see what I'm getting like. To, but I even believe back then, like we talked about the Civil War, they they fought because they were fighting for their freedom, and you yeah. know, the 64th, what Tuskegee Airmen, and all that's that. World they War were, II. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh-huh. and they want respect, and hey, we're Americans too. I mean, that's just Absolutely. what I'm getting at. Like, they, you know, black people, they were fighting so, for, I believe they felt that they feel, hey, I'm a part of this country too. I want respect. Right. That's, and, that's and, just, and, I, they and wanted I'm to not be just, treated like everybody else. Exa- that's, yes, my exactly. Point is they still and, want that, and it's not yeah, happening. Yeah, to this day. And I'm not just talking about black, it's all minorities in my well, see, eyes. And I mean, I understand. Now, like, hey, now even, it is because even, everybody's moved here. But what Clarence is saying is, Black people didn't choose to move here originally, but everybody well, the, else that I, ended up here, Asians and Hispanics, they ended up trying to escape to get here because they knew well, it was Chris, a, eventually a better place. I, I mean, I said that. I mean, even Chinese, we talked about that, the, the Continental Railroad, they had them as slaves. They built that. Even Chinese, did, and who else? Uh, Germans? or Well, they've had slavery else. before this country was the new country it is. I mean, we've almost enslaved everybody. Well, but, you know what I mean? Now... I mean, I understand, like, yeah, your heritage. I mean, even white people do it. I'm German, you know, but it's, or part German, whatever. But you, you know, don't even like bratwurst. Oh, you know, I don't, no. I, <laughs> but you see what I'm getting at? But we're Americans. We're, we're mutts. Right. We, we don't know. We're, yeah. everybody well, got everything. On, in, on in applications, you still have to... And I hate that. Why do they ask that? I hire a lot of people. And the thing is, and I hate that 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 question shouldn't be on there. And now, and now, if I think about it, it shouldn't even say are you male or female. Who cares? Are you want to hire them or no? What What does that have to do with the application you're filling out? What does that have to do with anything? I bet in other countries they don't have a numbers game on there. So, Tony, let me respond to your question. Um, So, so. I think what you're getting at is like, you know, if, if black people have been, you know, uh, so instrumental in this country yeah. becoming what it is today, then, you know, why, like, why not just be known as, as Americans? Um, understand there, there was this, like you guys talked about this in a previous episode too. There was this phenomenon that occurred in the late sixties and into the seventies. Uh, you all talked about the assassinations of Dr. King and Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, uh, the Kennedys. We saw all these things in the sixties. And up to that point, it was almost a lot of black people it, uh, were told that it was shameful to be black, right? And, oh, and that's, yeah. that's the history of the country. But then in the 60s and 70s, we saw this black is beautiful power movement, this black power movement with, the, with um, Angela Davis's and Stokely Carmichael's and the Black Panther Party. And we, it started to change the narrative on what it meant to be black. And instead of being like, oh, yeah, America and its society is right, you should be ashamed. Instead, they're like, no, you should be proud. And then all of a sudden, it became an embrace 
of what it meant to be black, of what it meant to be African-American. And it was no longer a shameful thing. It became a sense of identity. I'm an African-American. I'm not African. I guess I, I don't I can't trace where I'm from, but I know I'm American. You know, my ancestors have toiled and sacrificed for this country. And so have I. I'm an African-American proudly. And it's just the same thing that you hear when people are like, I'm a proud Italian-American, a proud Irish-American. It's yeah, the same concept. I mean, um, they're embracing this, this new identity. And, and hey, that's Clarence, what I think that you Clarence, see. you have a brother-in-law, basically a brother-in-law. His name is Chirac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you have a, a brother-in-law. His name is Kevin. Yes. Kevin Smith or Kevin Rush or Kevin Dinges or Kevin Weaver or Kevin Tucker. But it ain't no Chirac, one of our last names. Oh, we don't want to get. And deep that's on because that. they realized when they weren't going back to their home country that they were going to be American and they needed an American name. So the next son was not a, a name Sherrod or something sort of. It was Kevin. Yeah, and that's what. Yeah, look, my name's Clarence, right? Like you're, you're exactly right. right. That's what I'm saying. They're, black people don't identify as African anymore. The African Americans they are American, like you guys are talking about. The identity is here in North America. You know, yes, my ancestors came from Africa, but now my identity is here. Okay. Like you said. It's, it's part of the culture. Well, it's assimilation. Well, okay, well, I, I, good question. I'm happy that I graduated from Hanley, but like, if if people know about John Hanley, the actual person, where he came from, he was a, he, yeah. he was a liberal politician from England. So that's uh, another guy. Pennsylvania, then. Pennsylvania, ultimately. Yeah. Like he used to yeah, vacation he was, down here from Pennsylvania. Right, right. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, I, but, but I thought he was part of the, the, the parliament and all that. John Hayes. Wayne, our hometown is named Winchester. Winchester is named from England. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Which yeah. is why I their mean, kings and queens have come to Apple Blossom sometimes because right. that's where we originate from. Our right. name came from all of that. Right. But, and we have a headquarters downtown, George Washington headquarters, Washington Street, and all that. Oh, Drupal Early, we get into that now. We, we know where it came from, but why is it still those names? Right. Well, if it's hurtful and it's painful, if it's hurtful and painful to my brothers like Clarence and Wayne, why is it fucking still there? Sorry for my mm -hmm. language, but I'm not really right. sorry. That, it's hurtful right. to me. I can't imagine how Clarence okay. and Wayne feel. Well, that's why I feel like I can't praise John Hanley because, like, I feel like he was one of those type of slave owners, but not for sure. But like, he's one of those guys with power and money. Like, so yeah. that's why my myself personally, I cannot praise the name. But I can praise that I got a degree um, or a diploma from that high school. You yes, know what I'm right. saying? So, so we all went there to, to my knowledge, to ahead, my knowledge I don't think I don't think Hanley owned any slaves. So, um, to my right. knowledge, and I've I've done some research on that. But mm -hmm. like, if you talk about like Lord Fairfax, I don't know if you guys know, but Lord Fairfax yes, Community College yes. changed his name because yes, that is. guy did. He owned yep. several hundred slaves. You know, right. so when when you're looking at some of these old names. You know, like you guys talked about in one episode, whether or not people should like I know members of Zeb saying it too. You, we shouldn't name anything after anyone. I, I personally think that it's it's good to acknowledge um, people who have contributed to this country. But you got to make sure that you talk about both sides of the coin. And if you have no redeeming quality, then you shouldn't be involved. Like if you look at George Washington, you look at Thomas Jefferson, they had redeeming qualities in establishing this country. But like a guy like Robert E. Lee, what's his redeeming quality? Yeah, and they're changing that name in Stanton, Virginia. It's not going to be Robert E. Lee High School no more. I heard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I got another local local name. Who who is Harry F. Bird? Jason Jason actually did a. My brother yeah. Clarence did. He has a podcast too. I don't know if you know, but he did an episode okay. on him. Like went yeah. deep into his yeah. whole family. 
So, I could do this. I could do this really quickly. Uh, Harry Bird has a family. Uh, he comes from like one of the original founders. Like his mom can trace to like John Rolfe and Pocahontas. His dad is around like forever. The uh, Bird uh, Middle School was his brother. He came in as a senator, and when Brown versus Board of Education got passed, and you got to integrate schools, he said, "The hell with that. We're going to massively resist." And he shut down public schools. Warren County shut theirs down. Prince Edward County shut theirs down. And uh, for some reason, Shenandoah decided to name their building, their business building, after him. Um, he is he is the guy who tried to his best, even after the Supreme Court said you got to integrate. He said, "No, we're not. We're not going to do it." And um, he had ties. His his family owned the Winchester star here. Um, so you can imagine oh, the kind yeah. of coverage that was going through the star at that time. Wow. Um, but yeah, you know, like it, it's good. You, you start asking yourselves about these names. Here's one for you all that, um, uh, I, I, I bring up from time to time. Have any of you all eaten at Bonnie blue restaurant? Nope. Oh, I already yeah. know. Yeah. And we have her butter, baby. The Confederate flag, yep. right? The old, That's, the original Confederate yeah. flag. How crazy my, is it to think? And I didn't know that, man. I ate there like twice. I, I'm like, this food's delicious. And then I'm Clarence. like, Ooh, that seems kind of strange. Let me Clarence, look it up. I, I yeah. found that out like a year ago. Yeah, I, forget I, how I, I found looked that into out. that. It's blue with a white star. Yeah, that's the original rough draft of the Confederate <laughs> yep. flag. So all go right, ahead and look at that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. So everybody, do not eat at Bonnie Blue. Yeah, I called <laughs> you out. <laughs> hey, I talked oh, straight man. up. Sorry, she's yeah. gonna close down now. And don't drive. Yeah, I'm not trying to take money out of anyone's pockets, but it's, well, it's something well, that I would so, like to hear their so, explanation of. Yeah, I went overboard on that. Change your name. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Winchester lunch in. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if if Hanley was a slave owner, but he's not, uh, we could have changed the name. But my, one of my favorite movies ever, not just because it's sports related, because it's so powerful and impactful to me because of how I believe all of us should live and love each other, is Remember the Titans. And that name, T.C. Williams, has finally been changed to Alexandria High School because that guy, T.C., what, did not want segregation to be desegregated. He didn't want black and white people to go together. Mm-hmm. Good thing. I wanted to bring this up. And they changed that name finally, Tony. That, that was amazing. Yeah, and, I, yeah, it I needs know to that. That's what but people but, uh, in Winchester, they're not going to want – what did you guys say? Something about a 200-year law where they can't take the statue down? What do you mean 200 years? Times yeah, you know changed. that. Clarence, do you know that? We talked about that last week. Did you know that? Yeah, I did know that. Yeah, because I've, um, I've been – I've talked to the mayor about it before. I've talked to uh, our congresswoman, Jennifer Wexton. Um, yeah, but, you know, at the same time, uh, Georgia had a similar law for their state flag, which used to have the Confederate battle uh, flag insignia on the state flag. And then after that shooting in uh, Charleston at the um, Grace Emanuel Church, Church yeah, uh, Georgia said to hell with whatever laws that you thought you had, we're going to override all of them. And they took their flag down and they changed their flag. So that you, if Georgia as a complete state can do that, then you can't tell me Winchester can't. And Take thankfully, that. because that's uh, so yeah. recent. I'm so surprised you said that because that's so recent. I can't believe it hasn't been gone out of that flag. Yeah. That, that just happened if you think about history. Well, you know, yeah. and they weren't even the last. Mississippi just changed theirs like two years ago. They were the last ones to, to do it. And Virginia used to have the Confederate flag in part of our state flag. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, we're the first, well, we're the first damn state. Like you said, 1607 in Jamestown. That, my favorite field trip in fourth grade from John Kerr. We went to... We went to Jamestown, man. I remember Pocahontas oh, wow. and all that stuff. But we didn't really learn the history. We didn't learn. At the end of the day, we had to change our names from Washington Redskins to the Washington football team. Man, I, 
I get it, but I still think if every day that passes, now, this country is trying to wipe away the Indian, and, and they don't want to teach black history either. Hey, Clarence, that's a good question. Do you agree with the name change? Yeah, man, because I'm a, I'm a huge Washington fan. Uh, like I, like I really, and you all know that I'm, I'm a nerd with history. So like I get really deep into it. And George Preston Marshall, who brought the team down here from Boston, um, hired a guy. This is when the NFL was just trying to get started. So he needed, he needed a spectacle. And he hired a guy whose last name was Deets, who claimed to have had some Native American ancestry. And he yep. used to make him dress up in a full headdress and go up and down the sideline whooping like a, you know, like a stereotypical Indian. So he was trying to, you know, he could have named them Braves. That was common at the time. The Indians baseball team was there, but he chose Redskins, which is a derogatory term. I mean, like, could you imagine walking up to a, a Native American and being like, or, or a black person being like, hey, black skin, a white Thank guy, you. hey, white skin. You know, it's Thank just, you. It, it, it was a, funny it was enough, a really though, because I know thing. people that call people now, yo, midnight, 11.59, darkness, black, what up, black? Uh, like, they, and uh, it's been accepted, but I think that that doesn't but, help. But Chris, in the, in the scheme, it doesn't help nature. because it makes black people, I mean, the, but, the racist white people still Chris, feel good about how they Chris, talk. Chris, answer this question. What if I went up to a black friend and said, word up, black? I mean, Some would get offended. I mean, not to get into it. My boy Rashad Garrison, his nickname is Black. eBay, well, bro, what I, their, name is, their nickname is Black. But and you that, all that, got it. Okay, because it's accepted in the black community. It's the same thing as black people that call white people the N-word. And they become Chris, accepted Chris, to it. Chris, 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 I know Rashad too. And here's the thing. Only Rashad's friends get to call him black. If some random person came up to him and called him black, he, I, I'm with Tony. I, I'm pretty sure he'd be offended. We'd have to ask yeah, him. But, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I, and I, and I, and I like and, to call and, him. I like to call him the black, so black. I don't, I don't even call like, him black. I call him Rashad. Like He's probably like, how do you know me like that? Of course. Same thing is... You can't just walk up to uh, to Dwayne and be like, "What up, truck?" Like you don't know him as truck. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, but, I, but but what back- I'm saying is, it does happen, and I think that Wayne Rush never wanted to go to a restaurant called Cracker Barrel, and I told him I was like, "No lie, I get it, but that's they have great food. They have great food." And Wayne finally went there with me, Clarence, last year, and guess who we went this year? Guess who we went with? Me and Frankie Page. Oh, is that right? Yeah, Wayne, is but, that not true? But. I, I totally agree with the name. I always, and even my brother Jason's a big Washington football team fan. JP, you guys know him. And they've agreed it should have been changed. It's a, to me, it's derogatory. And Clarence is right. The owner, and they were called the Braves, I think, in 1933. Initially. For, yeah, yeah they were the Boston Braves. And then they yeah. changed the name. Racist as hell. Look into it. Yeah, he's, he's the last even, owner to integrate. He hired a – he was biracial. The head coach was half Native American. Yep. I don't know, Look at – it's it's crazy, the story. And like you said, that's how he came up with the name because the first head coach was Native American. Yeah. And, yeah, and you call them Redskins. You could have kept the name Braves. But I think yeah. he got mad for some reason at the league or something. Is And it was like out of spite is why he well, did Well, I mean – like you but, said, like he, he's known as an avowed racist. He he, he yeah. was forced by Congress to change, like to integrate his team. Yeah, integrate. Because they, they were like, you're, we're not going to allow you to play in D.C. if you don't bring in black players. And it yeah. took a Hall of Famer. It took Bobby Mitchell to come along for him to finally integrate. So when you know Hall that whole history behind Bobby. him. Yeah, you know that whole history behind him. You know, like that's that's not cool. Yeah, last team to integrate. You know what I love about sports when people want to argue with me, uh, Clarence? What? I used to know this racist white dude. And he used to come at me because uh, me and Robert Fowler and Robert was dating Elizabeth Dyke. And I was with Sonny Crittenden. 
And he's like, you guys need to switch girls. Oh, wow. And we were so young. We didn't get it at first. And then I came to the room and uh, we got to talking about it. And then a day or two later, he tried to set me up and say I stole money from Robert, which obviously, why would I steal my best friend's money? And at that age, I didn't even think about it. If Robert had it, I had it and vice versa. I never used used back pockets in those times because I didn't even have a wallet. I stuck money in my front pocket if I ever had it. And it was enough to go to a pack of baseball cards or a pack of skips. (laughs) Nice, yeah. Well, I came home. And little did you know, he was like, you took the money. Robert's money's missing. I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, check your back pockets. Uh, he said, check your pockets. I pulled out my front pockets because I didn't think nothing about black po- back pockets. Nothing in it. He said, check your back pockets. I was like, I never use them. I pulled out the back pocket. There was a $10 bill. He tried oh to set goodness. it off. You know how I killed him with kindness, but I killed him and hurt him. He came at me with all that. He had an Emmett Smith shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh man! Hey, hey, guys! Uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cut this off, fellas. I mean this this has been great, Clarence. Yeah, yeah Clarence, you're mad yeah. intelligent, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate but, you guys uh, having me on. I know this lasted longer than it was supposed to. But, oh, uh, hey, yeah, I, I can mean, talk. Hey, we can we can talk and talk forever, man. I mean yeah. this this has been all, we we haven't we weren't able to get to our mindset topic we wanted to get to, but hey, maybe another time. Hey, was, hey, we great. could definitely have you on again, man. This this was awesome. It was very informative. Yeah, I think the kids out there who listen, I hope not, because we we get a little vulgar. But yeah, what? Hey, it's awesome, and we'll definitely have you on again, Clarence. Awesome. I appreciate oh, it, guys. I appreciate the time. Yeah, you know, yeah, no problem, man. But uh, hey, very informative, and you know, hey, Clarence is doing big things with history. Oh, one more question. Because I was going to ask if it was elective, an elective, but obviously not, right? You're just out there teaching it in your class. Correct. Yeah, Correct. this is, this is yep. yeah, uh, required for graduation. But yep, you for, teach them a lot of stuff that we were not taught. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to throw all the teachers that I had back in under the bus. Because, you I'm know, if I'm being honest, I probably slept through a lot of their classes. But, no, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like to think that I, I probably provide some information that you, that we were not provided. Yes. I yeah. think Mr. Gardner, Mr. Gowdy, and everybody else we can name will be proud of you, man. Because they were like, <laughs> you know what? We, we weren't, we didn't understand. We could have done that or got away with it, whether they wanted to or not. But I think they respect you because you do it. Yep. You have the balls to do it. And you're making a difference in the future for these young children. I appreciate the kind words, fellas. Yeah. Now that's true, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm very proud of you, man, because we, we grew up together and I smoked you in baseball. <laughs> you yeah. 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 I remember those days. It's not quite how I recall it, but yeah, yeah. it was close. Yeah. It, it, it was close. It was close. <laughs> but yeah, man. Hey, appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. Yes, and, sir. You know, hey, hey, man. Appreciate it, bro. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, Clarence, how cool are you with Judy Humbert? I I don't know her. I heard you all talking about her in one of your episodes. I I don't know her. All right. As smart as you are and as much as a history buff as you are, I think you should connect with her at some point. Is she she a member of the NAACP? She's a member of everything in Winchester that needs to be known when it comes to history, especially black history. And Winchester's history. I'll probably come across her then. I'll I'll keep her name in mind. She lives right on North Kent, man, right next to T-Bones. Cool, cool. All right. All right, fellas. All right, Clarence. I appreciate you. All right, man. All right. All right, man. Take it easy, brother. All right. Peace. Zeb and Wayne, what up, fellas? Yeah. All right, guys. Next episode hopefully comes out soon. All right, everybody. Yeah, with gun violence and mindsets and everything else, man. We're going to get on it. 
All right. Take it easy, everybody.